Welcome to episode 76 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan. I'm Luke Lipinski, here to talk hockey with you for the next one to four hours, depending on how long this goes. <laughs> There's a lot to get into. We do have a lot going on, don't we? We absolutely do. And the playoffs are approaching. Oh, this is my most conflicted time of year because I want the playoffs to get here now. We're like, what, three and a half weeks? Yeah. April's a good month for sports, isn't it? March. I think I mean, March opening day baseball. You've got, obviously, the NCAA Tournament Final Four. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, if that's your thing. Although, you know, the first couple of rounds are really more like exhibitions. Yeah. NBA playoffs start in June. Yes. Are you really... I think March is better than April, though, we agree. Because March, you have March Madness. You've, you've still got hockey games that are meaningful. You've got spring training. You've got Craig doing this weird Axel Rose I see, I don't know. See, because I would say the NHL playoffs are better than the end of the NHL regular season. Yes. Same thing with the NBA playoffs, even though the beginning is meh. So I guess you're, you get the final four versus you don't have as many games like you do with March Madness, which kicked off today. Yeah, but you know, so right. I guess there's a little difference there. And spring training, I mean, it's spring training's good, good to hang out, but doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I never thought of April as, as that great of a sports month, which is interesting. But you're right. I mean, March Madness to me, this March is better than actual the, the final four. The well, greatest event of the two months and I is guess. the March Madness tournament. Yes, but. April's probably the, the slightly better month. But we agree October's better Actually, than all of them. Yeah. Because you've got the NFL mixed in. Yeah, you've got, you've got the NFL, playoffs. you've got yeah, MLB playoffs, the start of the hockey season, the start of the basketball season. College football. College football's going, yeah. So October's probably the, yeah, that's the big that point. And July's the worst. Yeah, no, we don't even need to debate that. July is completely devoid of everything. This is tough for me. On a personal standpoint, you know, October's a really busy time, so not so great. In April... Fan Rag Sports pays me to sit on my couch and watch the playoffs. Do they know that? Uh, I mean, wow. Well, they I, know now. Oops. How do I walk that back? Well, I guess here, I'll, I'll save you. I didn't realize that October was an inconvenience for Craig, so I take it all back. It's the 12th best <laughs> yeah. sports month of the year. Let's uh, let's start with another inconvenience for Craig. Artem Anisimov is mm. out for mm. most likely mm. the regular season. By the way, I'll be bringing the best segues of the year today, and that was the first one, so just get ready. Okay. I've prepared for this show my whole life. <laughs> This is just specifically episode 76, none of the other ones. Um, Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that, Anisimov? You know, when I looked at the Minnesota Wilds' remaining schedule, I figured they were going to win this division anyway because they end with, like, their last 10 games are against Carolina, Arizona, and Colorado. They play them more times than any other team does. I think the NHL just tried to give them a favor there. It's actually not true, but they're, they're like their final four games are against... Colorado twice, Carolina, and Arizona, so you kind of expect them to win the division. But the way the Hawks have been playing lately, I thought maybe they might have a chance to win this division. I'm not even sure that matters in the playoff matchups, but it's a nice feather in your cap to say you're the number one overall seed in the Western Conference. But with Anisimov out, you've got to break up some lines. Schmaltz is going to play second-line center. I, I just don't see it happening. And knowing the way Joel Quenville has operated in past seasons, he's probably going to just start tinkering and figuring out things for the playoffs now with first place likely out of reach for this team. It's a shame because you guys really could use another feather in your cap at this point. Yeah, I yeah, kind of feel that way. Your cap's getting pretty light. Never enough. Am I, look, nice I, headdress. I know. No, that's just your no, Eric Carlson. Uh-huh. We're talking wig. about the Blackhawks, so, I mean, it, it all fits. Another feather in your Eric Carlson wig? We haven't put this theory out there yet either on, on the actual show. We talked about it on Saturday uh, off the air, obviously, but if the Blackhawks don't make the Stanley Cup, Shouldn't Eric Carlson have to wear a Craig Morgan wig? Well, I, you know, you guys should have worked that out. Yeah. He was just here. You could have talked to him about it. Would have been an awkward way to start a conversation, but entirely necessary. By the way, he did admit that he was focusing more on defense this year. Well, so it's good to start. I feel vindicated. Did it he felt like it was a need. Feel better about his, uh, his game? Well, it just made me feel better about my critiques of the past. Did he cite the podcast at all as motivation? He didn't really by name. Okay. I, got, I got the sense. He that, alluded you know, to it. Obviously. I got the sense that, you know, he knew, and I knew, so there was really no need to say it. Yeah. It was kind of an unspoken bond. Yeah. Am I, um, am I wrong to yes. just mentally oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go keep on. talking in front of Jamie so he can just bash me mercilessly? Am I wrong that when I think about the Western Conference playoff picture, Minnesota's not factoring in anymore? And, and look, this, this is why. I was, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine last night that's a big sports fan, follows hockey a little bit. And, he, you know, he's not a Blackhawks fan, but I was telling him, prepare, they're probably going to win the West this year. And he was, he was looking at the other teams. He's like, none of these teams could beat them in a seven-game series. And I, I said, look, San Jose could. San Jose absolutely could beat them in a seven-game series. 
I don't think Minnesota. I, I mean, they're just they're almost a void in my mind at this point, which is unfair because they're a very good team. Well, I, I mean. The Blackhawks have beaten them three straight times in the regular season, but it, it, you remember Minnesota had dominated them in the regular season before that, but the Hawks obviously have their number in the playoffs. I think we might be operating off an old narrative, though, and I don't, I don't know if that's fair to Minnesota. They've been a very good team all season. They've added some pieces both at the center position and getting stall, and their coach who changed the look of that franchise a little yeah, bit. I mean, you know, those, those sorts of beliefs exist in, until they don't anymore, until they until they change it. Now, they've been a really good team this year. I think they're capable of beating the Blackhawks in a seven-game series. If you watch that last game in Chicago, Corey Crawford won that game. Minnesota just peppered the heck out of but them. They've won three times in a row. They have won the three times in a row, and they, and they are in their head. But, again, you have to get over that hump. Maybe that'll happen. I think, I think Minnesota has the pieces to do it, is what I'm saying. Whether they will manage to get it done, they're probably going to need to get an early lead in this series because if you fall down to the Blackhawks, I don't think you're coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same deal we talked about St. Louis this time last year. They couldn't beat the Blackhawks until they did. And yes, you know, we, we talk about the posts and all that, but they, they won four games in that series. And yes. Minis- this Minnesota team is better than that St. Louis team. I agree with that, too. But I, really? the Chicago team might be a little better than last year's Chicago team, too. So, I mean, there's both of those are, are put in there, but... I, I think it's a mistake to discount Minnesota, especially with the goaltender that they have. And again, getting hot. I mean, if we if we think Montreal has a chance, Minnesota is a much better team in front of their superstar goalie than Montreal does. I would agree with that. I, I don't want to rely on you know the Chicago might be the better team, but I don't want to rely on well they've beaten them three times in the regular season, so there's no way Minnesota can win four of seven. Taking them out in the playoffs three in the last four years too. I mean, True. you know, you talk about St. Louis and Chicago, and maybe Craig, you could speak to this better than me, but I always saw that as a rivalry that was a little lopsided. I feel like Chicago just literally owns Minnesota. Like, I, if Chicago somehow went out in the first round to Nashville, then yeah, I would probably pick Minnesota to go to the Stanley Cup. But they're going to have to go through the Blackhawks, and the only way I see Chicago getting taken out is if Minnesota pushes them and pushes them, and then San Jose comes along in the next round and finishes Chicago off. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how we both stated how we feel about the Wild this season. You know, I demand not- a definitive answer right now. <laughs> Another interesting angle to this series is Boudreaux versus Quenville again. If you guys remember the Anaheim narrative, when Anaheim had a 3-2 lead on them in the conference finals, there was a belief within the Ducks locker room that Quenville simply outcoached Boudreaux, that he's a better bench coach, makes better adjustments, and found a way to win that series. So that one needs to play out here as well. And like I said, if the Blackhawks get a lead in this series... With the way Quenville does make adjustments, he's, he's certainly got enough of a history to believe, and you've seen it with the Blackhawks, they get better as series go along. If they get a lead on Minnesota in this series, yeah, I don't see the Wild winning it then. So I think it's really important for Minnesota to jump out in that series. Yeah, I mean, unless Minnesota gets up 3-0, I don't think we're ever going to feel completely confident <laughs> that uh, until they win that fourth game that they're going to win that series. I just heard this debate on the radio yesterday of who the best coach in the NHL is. And my thought off the top of my head is Joel Quenville. It was pretty lopsided on the, the program I was listening to that Mike Babcock is the clear best coach in the <laughs> Shocked NHL. Shocked to hear that. Which program was this? It wasn't Leafs was Lunch, it, was it? Was it TSN? <laughs> it, it wasn't Leafs Lunch, but it, I guess it may as well have been. I mean... Quenville's the best coach in the NHL, isn't he? Well, it's hard to evaluate that because he's had great players. You know, you, when you're when you're blessed with that kind of talent, I don't know what what would he do. But he's he's had success everywhere he's gone. He has a, an incredible winning percentage, so clearly he's one of the better coaches. I feel like the other coaches think that he's the best coach too. You see the stat that I threw in that Red Wing story, by the way, on Babcock when he was coaching there. Yeah. Out of the ten seasons, you know, and there, he has this narrative as being a great coach, and they had some great talent there, right? You, you can't argue the fact that the Red Wings had great talent. They went out in the first or second round seven times. That's surprising. It is. That's really surprising. Yeah, I, when I, I looked at that, I was like, yeah, wow. They, they I, went on a long run there where it felt like they could never, well, right? especially, well, especially at the very end where they couldn't get over the hump anymore. But, sure. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough to say because, again, if you're not in that room, and, the, and it's all subjective. I mean, what is what make, is it the coach that makes the most adjustments? Is it the coach that gets the most out of his players? Is, is it straight winning percentage? I mean, there's a lot of ways you can evaluate a coach, but I'm not sure there's any coach that has that complete package together for as well and as long mm-hmm. as John Quinville's had. And, yes, he's had superstar players, but that team as a whole is not like it's superstar-laden. 
over the last few years. He's had a lot. It's been very top-heavy. Very top But he's heavy. been able to coach young players up and mid-level players into top six roles better than I think Babcock's done. Did it really well this year and yeah. quickly, much quicker than any of us I think expected. And by the way, I feel like it's like a tradition that you can hear a ping pong ball bouncing in the background <laughs> yeah. of our show now. There's a ping pong ball. It, it, there's actually there. a ping pong game going the entire on. Entire table with, yes. and I don't even use almost like extreme ping pong with the size of that table. By yeah, the way, yeah, the, the rounded it's edges. Tiny. So we it basically took an old conference uh, conference room table, and I found this set at a Goodwill in Awatuki for seven bucks. It's wow. the best seven bucks I've ever spent. Classy. With that, the paddles, the ball, the net. It, it confirms my long-standing theory of how hard everybody here works during the day when I'm not around. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Toronto. I know somehow oh, you guys both. Sidetracked by ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> Craig gets hypnotized by the ping pong ball. Somehow you guys both missed the story. Maybe I listened to too many Toronto-based uh, hockey programs. But the fact that the Maple Leafs nation is freaking out over, what was it, five players going fishing. It was either Monday or Tuesday before their game. It couldn't have been Tuesday before their game. Maybe it was. And then they went out and get blown out by the Panthers 7-2. Is this just step one of, of us getting back to... Toronto may believe hysteria now that expectations are raised. <laughs> Probably so. I, yeah. If if they don't make the playoffs now, they're going to be finding reasons. And hey, hey, by the way, they have the best coach in the NHL, so shouldn't he be able to overcome these sorts yes, of things? Yeah. Toronto's not playing good hockey right now, and I don't think Toronto is making the playoffs, I don't which is yeah. not going to sit well with that fan base and it, and the local media there. It's not, but it's also not the end of the world. No. Like, this is a big step forward well, this season. Why don't you season. go into the middle of Toronto and stand in the, on a street corner and say that? You send me there? Sure. Can I get back in the country afterward? That's the question. I won't have to bring you back. <laughs> but I'll send and, you and, there. And look, unless they went on that boat with Fred Smoot, I'm not worried about it. Wow. But the, I mean, the you... Fred Smoot <laughs> reference that every hockey fan will get. You bring up a good point, though. I, again, this is early in the rebuilding process. Yeah. It's, it's okay that Toronto doesn't make the playoffs. Now, you miss... Maybe you miss an opportunity for growth by not making it, but you're, you're also in a playoff race right now, so that's experience in and of itself, so you learn from that. And simply making the playoffs early in your growth process doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you're going to take the next step. Look Ask at Calgary, Calgary, for instance. Absolutely. So now you, you can look at Toronto's talent and say, well, they've got better young talent than Calgary. It's hard to argue when you see the rookie points that this team has put up this season. But, again, like you said, it's not the end of the world. This is just maybe part of the growth process and learning how to win. Austin Matthews had slowed down a little bit, which is, I think is reasonable since he <laughs> said 55 points. It felt like 20 games into the season. Hmm. Uh, I, I asked you this off the air, Craig, and you didn't have an answer for me. Who's the guy now that's going to be the lightning rod for criticism in Toronto? Because I, I have a theory just because I keep hearing his name coming up, and now he was one of the guys on the boat too, so this could be pointed to three years from now when the Maple Leafs haven't won the Cup and they're still referencing this boat trip. Morgan Riley. I was going to say, this is, this is one of those instances where Luke is setting himself up. These are becoming more of a regular yeah. occurrence on this podcast. He, he just wants to talk himself. We don't even need to be here. We're ancillary <laughs> parts of this podcast. Your mics aren't even on, are you? I'm convinced this is like Fight Club, and I'm just talking to two people I'm imagining at this point. The Blackhawks fan and the New Yorker. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't you go ahead? No, I was, I was trying Morgan to Riley. set up a discussion. He's a new Jake Gardner. Morgan Riley, who, you know, starts by spelling his last name incorrectly. So. Yeah. See? Craig's already on board. Yeah, well. I just, the position he plays, the expectations are definitely, some, at some point in the last two months, have collectively, across the fan base in Toronto and media market up there, have jumped considerably from, hey, this is really fun, look, we're ahead of schedule, to, all right, we should be a playoff team. Who's to blame if we don't get in? And you're not going to blame Matthews or Marner or Nylander. Or they're Babcock. All, well, no, you can't Wait, blame Sorry, Greatest coach of all time. So is it going to – it can't be Dion Phaneuf or Phil Kessel because they're not there I anymore. think still blame Phil Kessel. That's they true. might try. They were doing that last year. Or all just right. might simply they're just right. not quite good enough yet. We'll talk to me next year. I think Nylander's a candidate too. Is he? Because of the way he plays yeah. defense. That's, that's fair. We'll see. Also, maybe they should try giving Austin Matthews some line mates at some point. Maybe next, maybe next season instead of playing him with – like was it, he was playing with like Zach Hyman recently, who has like I believe one even strength point this decade. So <laughs> that sounds realistic. You know, let's let's not give him the uh, Jonathan Taves October treatment, and maybe let's maybe let's get some talent around him. Maybe. The Jonathan Taves October treatment. Well, because like now now a lot of the Blackhawks are good enough that they've played most of the season to play with Jonathan Taves. Yes, but and now Artem Anisimov is out, so now yeah. 
take Nick Schmaltz off his line yeah. again. So he's getting the October treatment again. Here, you get the age, I'll call up. <laughs> Just spin a wheel and we'll call up Vinny yeah. Mastroza and put him on your line. Figure it out. Yeah. So we're going to have, what, four Canadian teams in the playoffs, assuming Toronto misses. And part of the reason we're assuming Toronto is going to miss is because of Boston, who is on quite the tear here. They and Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay. As first predicted on this show, was going to be the team when they were six points back. It was yeah. probably going to be the team that we were most worried about. And Team Carl Putnam, our resident uh, Capitals fan, said he would be most worried to play in round one. And that pretty <laughs> much clinched it, that it was going to happen. Yeah, because the Capitals never get a break. Also, assuming the Capitals win that division. I'm convinced that Carl Putnam is, is galooling every Penguins defenseman because now even the guys that they brought in to replace the injured defenseman, they're both injured too. So something's going on. There, there's a book to be written about the missed opportunities of the Penguins' tenure here in the Crosby era with all the injuries. Between Crosby missing the time he's missed, Malkin missing the time he's missed, Latang, Chris Latang is, Oli is Mata, Oli, Chris Latang being a big one, Olimata missing the time, every defenseman that's ever <laughs> laced up a pair of skates. Now we're down missing games already. It, it is really remarkable. If that team would have been even remotely healthy this entire stretch, how, how many cups they would have. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. Uh, yeah. Washington. <laughs> I appreciate your genuine concern <laughs> over there, Craig. Or if the Blackhawks had a fourth defenseman, how many cups do they win? That's on them. That's why Joel Quentin is such a good coach. They've got Johnny Oduya back. Well, now they do. But before when they were playing Dr. Keith 37 minutes a night in the postseason, which they still might. Can I talk about Boston now? Sure. You really want to talk I, about Boston, I, I don't you? I want to you? talk about Boston. Let's Craig, talk about Boston. Can you find that, that website that we all made fun of that predicted they were going to win the cup and now it might be the most intelligent At least get ever? to the cup final, right? I mean... I don't think they're getting there, but 82 points now on the season. They've nestled themselves comfortably in that 2-3 matchup. I like Atlantic, it. Nestled. It's a great way to win a series because now at this point you're looking at Ottawa in the first round. Although, maybe I still think Ottawa wins that division. So you're looking at Montreal in the and first it, round. And, yeah, we kind of know what sort of ghosts exist in the Montreal-Boston series, oh, right? Great so. series that would be. <laughs> yeah, if, seriously, I, I want to craft some of these. I want to see Montreal play Boston in the first round. I want to see... Calgary play Edmonton in the first round. Those, I hope there are some really good first round series. Tampa Bay, Washington. I mean, obviously there will be in the Metro, but yeah, Tampa Bay, Washington. Good lord, Tampa Washington would be great. Would would. What are we thinking about uh, Brad Marchand at this point? I, I think we need to sort of rewrite the Hart Trophy race here at least a little bit. I yeah, we were talking about this off the air as well, and and it seems so clear cut. Even two weeks ago, maybe who the three candidates were. I think we all had McDavid. We all had Burns, maybe maybe even Burns winning it, and then Sidney Crosby on the top three ballot. But Patrick Kane and Brad Marchand are tied with Connor McDavid in points. Marchand leads the NHL in goals now. I, it's a little more open. Who would you vote for at this point? I don't. It would be it would be either Marchand or Burns, right? If if, if the season is over right now and I had to vote, I, I've I've given you my. Guess say it like a Bostonian though. Don't, don't you? Marchand. Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand. It would either be him or, or Brent Burns. And I've I, I vented about this before, and I'll, I will vent again. Mm. It's nothing against Connor McDavid. He is one of my favorite players in the NHL to watch. He, I think he's well on his way to being a Hall of Famer and maybe one of the greatest we've ever seen. I don't understand the narrative that's still out there that he's already won this award this year. Here, here Again, we've talked about this, and, and it, it's really it's about value to the team and where would Edmonton be without Connor McDavid. The thing that concerns me about that now is... Edmonton hasn't been playing great hockey lately. If you're the MVP, this is the time of year, most of all, where you have to shine and lift your team up. And I know that's a lot to ask for such a young guy with questionable talent around him. There's some good players on Edmonton, but there are big holes in that lineup still. All the same, it's the MVP. So if you are going to earn that award, now's the time to step up. And if they end up in a wild card spot, to me, that, that raises some questions over whether I'm going to vote for him. I think Marshawn and, and Kane breaking into the race probably hurts McDavid more than anybody because now you can start you can, you can make cases for everybody differently. Like Brent Burns is sort of the wild card because he's doing it defensively and he's having a historic He's winning the Norris, so yes. everybody rides him off for the MVP. But at least he has a unique path. All of McDavid's paths that made him unique now, other than being the chosen one, are kind of out the window. He's not necessarily leading in points. He's tied right now. He's 27th in goals. Again, to be the Hart Trophy winner and be 27th in goals is absurd to me. And the other angle, and you just brought it up, 
well, you can say he's more more valuable to his team making the playoffs than Crosby or Kane, which I get. I probably actually wouldn't have Crosby on my on my list of finalists at this point just because of the way things have broken. McDavid means about as much to the Oilers' playoff race right now as Marchand means to Boston. So there's, there's nothing that stands out about McDavid now other than he's more fun to watch than Brad Marchand and much more likable. It depends on what you like in hockey. True. Yeah. I feel like a little bit of an edge. I know that you know he's worked that out of his game. He's not that guy anymore, but still. Do you get if, if you like to see that sort of thing? Accidental slew foots. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really it's all incidental or accidental now. Oh, just wrong place at the wrong time. No intent. Yes. I think I would have Crosby on my my short list though. But then who's not? Like who's your your finalist? If I do top three right now, I'd go Crosby, Burns, and Marchand. In that order. So you'd leave McDavid yes. off. I would right now. I'd leave McDavid off. I'd leave Patrick Kane off. Yeah, I wouldn't put Patrick Kane on uh, either, actually. I, 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 he's, not, he's not in the top four or five, but I think Nick Backstrom deserves some love on the just outside that's not going to win the award, but really is having a strong season. Especially considering what the point totals are on the rest of the team, that's, especially outside of Ovechkin. I mean, he is really head and shoulders above most of the rest of that team. Yeah. The thing with Kane, I know you, it's crazy because he's been on a, an insane points tear here lately. But when I look at the Blackhawks and think about why they've made this surge... He's been producing, but the guy that dropped, drove this surge is Jonathan Taves, who's, yeah. who stepped up his game big time. So I, I factor that in, and I agree with you. I wouldn't put him on my ballot. And, and I do factor in a little bit of what, what they're tasked to do, whether it's defensively, whether it's penalty killing, power Bingo. play, what position they play. I'm going to artificially hold wingers down ever so slightly. When I'm coming back to a tiebreaker scenario, I'm going to take a center or a defenseman who I think is right in that category over, over a winger just because they're asked to touch more areas of the game than just points. We have an award for just points. That's true. I, I think what works against Kane is the same thing that works against Crosby to a certain extent if they've both won it before, and you have to think both of their teams would still be in the playoffs even without them. They, they wouldn't do anything in the playoffs, but they would be there. And the other thing working against Crosby is you know, his, his biggest positive for a while there is he was leading the league in goals and had played less games than everybody. He's about to be caught by his own teammate who's played even less games than Crosby and Malkin, who's not going to win, but then you start splitting up votes. I don't know. My, my whole point with this is there's, I don't think Kane realistically can win unless he just continues on this tear because not enough people are going to vote for him. Yeah, he'd have to finish like 8 to 10 points yeah. clear of everyone, and that's probably not going to happen. But I think the other four guys, I think that's a legitimate four-person race, and I still think there's people that aren't even paying attention anymore because they gave it to McDavid in December. I agree with you. Yeah. And imagine, like, like I said to you guys, if, imagine if L.A. were just a little bit better and Edmonton was in danger of missing the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, because again, they're not playing very good hockey right now. By the way, who is there? Any plans for Luke? Right, Craig, you, you can answer too. But no, this is specifically for Luke because I okay. want to talk. Is there? Because I want to get you mad, kind of. Right. Good. Is there any player more underrated in the NHL than Evgeny Malkin? Uh, I didn't necessarily think that until the hundred greatest players of all time came out, and he's better than like forty of them. I feel like his name doesn't. For somebody who was a superstar in terms, of, I mean, was like perception-wise, was a superstar. For a number of years, all of a sudden, nobody ever talks about him anymore. It's weird. I know he was strange. Hurt. He was hurt for a while, off and on, and he misses games, which I get. There are times when he disappears in the playoffs, which I get. But he's also won a Conn Smythe, and he's won scoring titles, and he's actually pretty good defensively from the center position. Like he's he's not Jonathan Taves defensively. He's never going to win a Selkie, but he's not bad defensively. He's improved that part of his game. I think he's just a Russian, clearly benefiting from playing in the shadow of a great Canadian. I feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> I will say this about the Penguins. Usually, Malkin plays his best when Crosby's either out or not playing well. And this year, they're actually both playing well. Yeah. But no Chris Letang, so I don't know if that's necessarily good. Chris Letang's still the most valuable Penguin. I, not, the mo- not the best player on the team, but the most valuable player on the team. The only thing that me and Jamie have ever agreed on, and, and I couldn't agree with no, you. No, we've agreed on one other thing, that when we go to Yard House, we get the chicken nachos. That's a good point. And a Moscow oh, that's mule. It. Actually, now he's on a different. Yeah, he gets the Jameson mule the now. Jameson he's, he's, mule. He just wants to be different than treats us. You know, treats us like children too when yeah. we just order the like, regular Oh, Moscow you're just getting mule. the regular one. Okay. Uh, yeah. that's I, I remember when I used to drink that yeah. when I was twelve. When I was five. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. I mean, I have to be seen in public with you, and I'm wearing a suit. Jamie's wearing like a barrel and like a, one of those like <laughs> things of wheat hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> Almost true story, but all, all I know is when I went to Yard House last time, just by myself, yes, in civilian clothes. Mm-hmm. They quoted me an hour and a half. I come back at 30 minutes later with Craig and Luke dressed to the nines from coming off the game. They sit us down right away. Instantaneously. Six-person table. Yeah. I don't want to say anything, but it's kind of embarrassing. Isn't it? You know, 
Yeah, kind of a big deal. Maybe they know what you guys order. But you mentioned L.A. I think I we did. need strawberry we need, fields forever. We need to. Oh. <laughs> we need All right. To get Let's get to L.A. immediately. <laughs> um, the Kings were not here, but they were playing the Coyotes a couple days ago. Really fun game uh, starting in the third period. The first two periods were a little eh. The third period felt like an old Coyotes-Kings game, especially when Dustin Brown went aerial on a what was probably a trip, but definitely he looked like a flying trapeze artist. <laughs> L.A. scores late. The Coyotes score even later. And then we go 11 rounds into the shootout. There's a couple angles to take off this game. First, I'll ask you about the shootout. Your thoughts on, on if any of it needs to change. I heard the conversation on the way over here of why don't we just have it like the Olympics where you go your first three players and then L.A. Can, should be allowed to just put Jeff Carter out there every round after that, which I personally hate. I, I don't feel strongly enough one way or the other about the shootout because to me it's all just sort of like bonus hockey at that point. It's, it's not really hockey anyway. But if, if you pressed me... I think my answer would be, I do think you should have to go through everybody on the team before you repeat, because if you're going to pretend that it's a team game, then everybody should have to contribute. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, That's as far as I go. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, but if you, if you say, no, Craig, we're not doing that, I'll say, okay. <laughs> Way to take stands. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just don't feel strongly enough about it. I think we all feel pretty much the same way about the shootout. Of it's, it's probably necessary because we don't need ties. You don't need to exhaust your players who are already exhausted from yeah. this crazy schedule, right? Well, speaking of which, we need oh, to if, the, if you have ties, I guess that's okay, but don't keep, don't make them keep playing overtimes like the NBA. We need to give a shout out to our guy from Norway because you mentioned overtimes. Are you going to pronounce his name? Is it worse like if I, I try just to threw that to you and and then I pronounce it wrong? Or I think you should just spell it, and then he'll hear it and he'll tell us how to pronounce his name. It's spelled T R O N D. I believe it's Trond. All right. Pretty sure that's not well, how you pronounce it. I don't it. have the, the full accent, but I'm sure that's no, how you pronounce it. No, Either way, <laughs> shout out to, to somebody listening to this show in Norway. Yep. Now we've touched Norway and London. Worldwide. I'm not sure about the U.S. Yeah. or Canada yet, but Norway and London. We're a podcast of the world. Exactly. International natural hat trick. That's too complicated to say. Eight overtime <laughs> game, though, in Norway. That's yeah. what you <laughs> said. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah. It's only six hours of hockey. Shootouts. So, Shootouts are okay. I, it's funny, we, we got the Wings in town tonight, and Redeem Verbata and Franz Nielsen, the two, I believe, all-time leaders in shootout goals. Yeah. Fun little story. I, w- I, I, wish this, uh, I wish the shootout had more of an impact on the game than it currently does. It's changed a little story, bit, but yeah. that's still a fun story. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is people, I think, misinterpret the difference between the loser point and the shootout. And I think people take their venom out on the shootout when really they're just concerned about the loser point. Because yeah. I think people look at it like, oh, that's an exhibition. It's, are you worried about it being an exhibition and ending games, or are you just worried about, well, I, I hate this, this, these three-point games? I, I do think there's a lot of confusion between the two when we see some anger about, well, should they change the shootout? Should they change the format of the shootout? Should we have a shootout at all? I think that's more of an issue of the loser point than it is they don't want to see a shootout. Imagine if they took away the loser point in the shootout and only awarded it in overtime. So teams were like all out in overtime. I, I would take. I mean, I would take away the <laughs> trying to figure out the. I take away the loser point. Period. Yeah, I I, like I, I'm t- I'm team two zero. So no no. What about three points to a regulation winner? Two one zero. Just I. That would be I guess my second option. But to, it would. But, it would just trash all the records. But then to you me, I, I would go two zero. You either win or you lose. Just like any other sport. That's sort of how I am too. I don't I don't get the extra point for. Oh, congratulations, you got a text right. You yeah. still lost. But don't you think there's something to, like, Toronto goes out and they lose to Florida because they were all fishing. They lose 7-2. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as the Coyotes beating the Kings 3-2 in the yeah, shootout 11 but rounds that's in. not how sports work. Lose, yeah. the, the Falcons losing to the Patriots when they're up 25 nothing isn't the same as a team getting blown out 69-0, but a loss is a loss in sports. Yes. This is the only sport that you get a, you get rewarded in any capacity for yeah, losing. It's, yeah, it's, it well, is. It's like I, we should call it the participation point. Yeah, you get rewarded all the time. Yeah, in the NBA that's, the, that's the everybody gets a trophy point. I don't feel strongly enough to try and defend it. I'm just. Uh, yeah, we've probably spent too much time on the shootout now. Probably, the Kings are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, uh, yes, lost I in the so. shuffle of the fact that every Kings Coyotes game is great at this point. They're always one goal games. It feels like, and they're two and two against each other this year. Mm-hmm. L.A. had to have two points 
the team with the second worst record in hockey came to town and they couldn't beat them a night after losing to St. Louis, who they really needed to get two points against. So mm-hmm. they're done. Correct. Yeah. Where yeah. do they go moving forward? What do you do if you're that franchise? They've got issues. Yeah, and we've we've heard in the past, oh, this, they have such a good system, and it really hasn't panned out that way with LA. They their system hasn't been that great because if if that's the case, then those guys are coming up and pushing, you know, the older talent that you have, supporting it, and maybe getting ready to move into the lead roles. And we haven't seen that. I think we also maybe overestimated how much being a an extremely veteran team helped them in those cup runs. Because I mean, aside from Toffoli and Pearson. And Muzzin, where, where are the rest of the, where's the reinforcements over the last handful of years for LA? They're not they're not coming. I mean, if you look at the uh, the pros, I, I, don't, I don't know their exact number, but the prospect rankings came out. The hockey news put out their lists. I got mine yesterday. Uh, LA's towards the very bottom. I mean, mm. their next wave isn't coming. Their system sitting there with Colorado, which could really use an infusion of yeah. talent, and they don't have any. That's why you trade Duchesne for 19 prospects. Apparently, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, the Kings, I think, are just—they're going to be a team that I do think they're going to make some changes this offseason if they really do miss the playoffs. Because this is now what twice in the last three years they and, missed the playoffs. Yeah, and last year they and got year crushed in the fourth forever. round. So yeah, so that's three years of basically not really being, not being relevant. You got to do something. Uh, their style worked and won them two Stanley Cups, but it kind of looks outdated right now. Whether that's just because they don't have enough. No, it is. I mean, I, I know it's, it's happened fairly rapidly, but you're watching the game now versus what it was even four years ago. It's completely yeah. different. That first cup that they won, that, that style was, that was it. And, and yeah. you remember how the Coyotes played? Yeah. To get to the conference final? They had a similar style, at least on their blue line. Yeah, absolutely they did. That was a big physical blue line the Coyotes yep. had. And, and Mike Smith was playing out of his mind. Yeah, there was but, that too. But you, yeah, you can't do that now. I'm just wondering if we're going to see L.A. like. What's the equivalent right now? What, what is the team? Are they going to still be? Are they going to hang around the wild card spot for the next couple of years, or are they going to really hit some tough times? Well, that's that's the question for for management. I think that's that's probably something they're wrestling with right now. What do you do? Do you blow it up at this point? To me, if you get three years down the road and you haven't made any kind of impact in the postseason, it's time. It's time to say, okay, it's done. We, ha- we won our two cups. Great. Yeah. It was all worth it, but it's done. Let's not just linger for three more years trying to get back to that point because it's not happening. How do you blow it up, though? Good question. Two guys I, wanna, I want off the team right away are Marion Gabrick and Dustin Brown, and they're signed until the end of days. So. Dustin Brown's contract. Oof. I mean, what do you, I don't know what you do there. Gabrick is signed for $4.875 million until 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Dustin Brown is signed for $5.875 million into 2022. That, that's $10 million on two borderline third-liners, and that's being nice. For the next four years, and then Dustin yeah. Brown for a fifth year. Nobody's going to take those contracts from you I, unless you really... I don't even know how you could incentivize a team to take those contracts. It, it's draft picks, but can you afford to give away draft picks? No. If you're how, many te- how many teams can take that sort of cap space? That's the thing. There's, There's not, not a lot of teams out there. It, you're going to have to pay them. Oh, yeah, that's the difference. It's yeah. the difference in a Datsuk or a Clarkson or a Pronger deal. This is You actually have to then pay this person to play for you. And then they eat Actual the money. Spot. Yeah. And generally the teams that are willing to take on extra money like that that isn't going to go to a great player are teams that are rebuilding. And do you really want to block somebody's playing time with Dustin Brown. But the flip side is you still have Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty, and Jonathan Quick. So how can that be a team that just completely bottoms out? I mean, that, that's the tough part. You, you got a star center, a star defenseman, and a star goalie. That's, that's, that's a great place to start. Potentially three Hall of Famers. But, where, but what else is in the rest of that roster? Kopitar not having a great season, by the way. He's not. No, he's not. But I'm willing to to assume it's an outlier for him and he'll be fine next year. He's still only 29 years old. Uh, Jeff Carter, too, is signed for the next five years, and he's been phenomenal. But, yeah, I said Jeff Carter is pulling his weight. So, you, so you've got four really good players to build around going forward. Alec Martinez and Jake Muzzin are signed for a while. They're okay. But I just wonder if you end up being a better version, but still mm-hmm. the same sort of like, I don't know, the, the – way it's constructed now with Colorado, where you've got really good players and nothing around them. L.A., you've got great players, but potentially nothing around them for a while because you can't sign anybody and you can't, you don't have any rookies coming up. Yeah. I don't know if you try a buyout. Yeah, it depends on how much money you want to eat money. I can't I mean, imagine. That's a long, Can you imagine them buying out time. Dustin Brown? That's a long that's, time they're going to have to pay him. Gabrick? Uh, 
to look into those rules again, but I mean, that might be one avenue you pursue here because, yeah, you're in trouble otherwise. That's more realistic to me than telling that team and that fan base that you're trading on, say, Kopitar. I mean, what do you... Is the other We're hanging on to Dustin Brown, but yeah. Kopitar is out the door. So you're not trading Kopitar, you're not going to trade Dowdy, and you're not going to trade quick, and even if you were, the goalie market's not the easiest thing in the world to navigate. So if you can't trade those guys, what are you trading to get pieces to rebuild with? I just, it's very interesting to me. It's not like if they had won that game on uh, Tuesday, all of this changes, and they're going to make the playoffs and win the cup this year. This this has been coming for a while. Mm-hmm. But again, they won their two cups, so yeah. it was all worth it. It's it's okay oh, that they're in this situation now, and people have to realize that. You got two cups out of it, so it's okay. But, yeah, they have some really big questions to answer in the uh, offseason. All right, so the team that beat them on Tuesday, the Arizona Coyotes, have won three in a row. That's the second time they've done it here in the, their little recent stretch. They're 13-9-2 in their last four. Fan base is freaking out. Yeah, so this is uh, we're seeing this in town with, with the, uh, the basketball team, too. This is not a basketball show, so I'm not going to talk about Phoenix Suns. But uh, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm of the belief that this Coyotes team is, is definitely turning a corner, and to me that's probably better long-term than picking two or three slots higher. But they may jump a few teams here. There are a lot of teams within range if you look at where they are right now, 29th in the standings, but only five points behind the Vancouver Canucks for 25th. Yeah. Even Winnipeg within shouting distance, depending on how, how hard every team in the NHL yeah. is trying to win right now at the bottom of the standings. To, to me, this year, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to tank yeah. this year because but between picks two and seven is... Yeah, there's... It, it, who knows? Does it matter? So I, I guess if the Coyotes aren't going to get Nolan Patrick, who is the guy that they have rated far and away above everybody else in this draft. Maybe it's, well, I don't even think it's a maybe. I think, I think the value in winning this time of year is much greater for your young core moving forward. Now, again, to say that they've turned a corner, I, I put up some red flags they've there because these, yeah, they're winning. They're, they're, so that's, that's a step. There but, are a lot of corners to turn. Yes. Yeah, and when you, when you win when there's no pressure on you to make the playoffs, even Dave Tippett will tell you, he said that repeatedly, it's not as meaningful this time of year to win games. It's not, but you, I mean, again, you, you went into L.A. and beat an L.A. team that was facing a lot of pressure to mm-hmm. win their game. And I think the, the counter-argument to that, and I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but the counter-argument would be now this Coyotes team, as opposed to where they were in the first two months of the season, they seem to take losses personally, and they seem to feel like they belong on the ice. In fact, you're one of the people that gave me an example of a guy like Brendan Perlini. First half of the season when he's out there, he's looking across the ice and seeing Joe Thornton or Evgeny Malkin or whoever and being like, wow, I'm playing against these guys. Mm-hmm. Now he expects to score goals. I, I, I just, they've clearly, to me, at least taken a step in their evolution, and I do think it's more valuable for them to learn how to, the, the young core to learn how to win than it is to pick one or two spots higher. But like you just said, they may drop five spots. Yeah, well, let's not forget, too, that they have draft pick assets. So if they really want Nolan Patrick, to me, the, the disparity in picks this year between players is not so great. It's not a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews. So if they're sitting number five, for instance, they might be able to package and still move up and get Patrick. So that, that's why you have those assets. So maybe that's part of their thinking here. But again, I, I think it's valuable to win yeah. this time of year as well. How valuable is four and a half percent? That's the other thing. That's the difference between two and six. It's, yeah. it's not the NFL where you finish with the second-worst record, you're picking second. As we've seen, the Coyotes finished with the second-worst record, and Edmonton had the third-worst, and they got McDavid. So, I mean, there's a lottery here where it <laughs> plays a pretty big Toronto's role. Toronto's winning the lottery. We know this anyway, so why bother? Even, even though they're not in the – well, yeah, even if they make the playoffs, they'll right? They'll, they'll still win the lottery. But, you know, to get back to the Coyotes a little bit more, part of what we're seeing here, too, is they, they've been tinkering with the lineup as well. And you move Toby Reed to the right side, suddenly you're, I just wrote about this today, you're looking at your wings down the road now. And you and I were talking about this, I think, on the air the other day. If you look at your left wings, you've got Clayton Keller coming, you've got Max Domi, you've got Brendan Berlini, you've got Jamie McGinn. That's probably your four guys there, right? Martin Krause, Luke, too. Lawson Krause. Lawson Krause. I'm sorry, I even forgot him. So you've got five guys there that you're talking about. You've got... Jordan Martinuk playing really well at center between Reader and Perlini right now. You've got 
Christian Dvorak taking steps. So you still have to solve those two other center positions. We'll see what Dylan Strom can do. We'll see if they can do something in the offseason. But then you move over to the right side. If you bring Redeem Verbata back, you're looking at a right-wing depth chart of Verbata, Reader, probably Christian Fisher coming up, and then Anthony Duclair if he can get something, anything going. He's going to be out of the lineup tonight. But that's, that's not a bad situation moving forward on your wings. No, you're, you're really set in, in theory. And look, I mean, we saw Duclair look great last year, and he, he can't get it going this year. So it's not inconceivable that one of these other players that looks really good this year has a down year next year. Although I, I don't see Perlini taking a step back. If anything, I see him getting better. And the way I just Dvorak, think he's a more complete player. Yeah, and Dvorak, all his value isn't tied specifically to gold. I don't know. I don't see a lot of these guys taking a step back. So you're right. Your right wings and your left wings going forward next year are potentially are, are pretty good. Yeah. And... Your Jacob def- Chikrin's taking a step forward. Yeah. So your defense, you still need the. So again, you look at the, the things you need. You need you need a center, yeah. Because those are really easy to find, and you need a <laughs> top right-handed defenseman, which is also but easy to find. I think what's been an eye opener for me a little bit here over these last few weeks is now. And look, those are two big needs: a right-handed, mm-hmm. top pairing defenseman and a center. But if they got them, this is a dangerous team. Whereas, like New Jersey just came to town a couple days ago. If New Jersey added Kevin Shattenkirk and a number one center, I. I that lineup is awful. That it's still not. It's it's okay. Where if you add those pieces, and they're the hardest pieces to add, but if you add them to the Coyotes, that's a very dangerous team, I think, going forward. Yeah, and we'll see what happens reason. with Shattenkirk. I don't. Yeah, I, maybe I mean, this all was just a ploy to get to the Rangers, and there are a lot of people that feel that way. So maybe he's not even out there, and you can't get that piece. And then the centerpiece, where are you going to find it? Dude, I'll, and I'll drop this right here. Right. We haven't announced this. I haven't said this yet, but the Coyotes are not going to go after Matt Duchesne this offseason. He's not on their shopping list. So. They're going to have to look somewhere else. I don't know if you feel like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is that guy. Personally, no. I don't. I don't think he's a fit there either, so I'm, I'm not sure what they do. You could go like with a stopgap center and try and bring a guy like Brian Boyle in again. I, I don't know what you're solving there. I don't know if, if you're moving the group forward by doing that or possibly stunting someone. So it's, it's an interesting dilemma that they face this, this summer with that position in particular. It is. Uh, it's compelling. Like you said, you could trade potentially for the number one pick this year, whereas a lot of years you can't. Even if it's not McDavid or Matthews, I mean, there was years where it was Tavares or Stamkos. You couldn't realistically trade for the number one pick those years because it was pretty clear cut. There are people that that think Hessier could be a number one center too. So I don't, if Colorado gets the number one pick and the Coyotes pick fifth, like you were saying, Colorado already has Duchesne and McKinnon when they're not playing Duchesne on their third line. Well, they're probably going to move Duchesne this summer. In so, fact, I, I, would, I would bet on them moving okay. him this summer. So they're going to need another center. But maybe they're not. Although they have the kid in, in college as well, one of their top prospects. So yeah. we'll see how this goes. Maybe, but maybe they're not in love with Nolan Patrick. Maybe you can trade for Nolan Patrick. I don't know. That, to me, has more upside than going out and signing a stopgap and trying to shove Dvorak or whoever in the number one spot. Yeah, and that's the point I'm making. Are you, what, what are you accomplishing with that? Are you really moving the group forward, or are you just sort of delaying things a little bit to have somebody that can help you a little bit? And that, yeah. that feels like what they've been doing a lot, yeah, right? For, no, that's center position sorry. for about and 15 I, I left years. Brad Richardson out of this. Obviously, he has to recover. But, you know, I, if, you're, if you're looking at a depth chart of Dvorak 2, Strom 3, Richardson 4, all good. I'm, yeah. I'm good with all of that. So, but you still got to find that piece up top. Where do you put Martin? Good question. Okay. Good maybe, maybe he's there, too. Maybe yeah. you... But problem is, again, none of these guys are top six centers, at least right now. Nope. So... Would we be stunned if Dvorak became a number no, two center? No, I wouldn't Not be stunned. No, okay. no, he's, he's two, the one no. I think that has the biggest upside there of the guys we just mentioned. Don't know about Strom yet. But but how does their growth get stunned by not having a number mm-hmm. one? Well, yeah. And you I have mean, to take number one. Who, again, who lines up against Kopitar and Taves right they, now they that you feel that comfortable guy. with? Richardson, because you have to? Maybe Jordan Martin. Yeah. He's been winning face-offs, by the way. Which he's is, been winning he's face-offs. That, that line is really hard to play against because, first of all, they come at you with so much speed that you have to respect it. It, it puts stress on a defense when you can come with three guys who can skate, and now you've got a guy on the left wing who can finish. He will finish when he gets good chances. So they're a dangerous line to play against. Yeah, that line for people that don't live in Arizona is Perlini, Martinook, and Reeder, mm-hmm. which is a very... It is a very fun Perlini line. and Martinuk are such smart players, such mm-hmm. good defensive players. They make, they're so responsible with the puck. You see, how often have you seen in the last couple of weeks them making those little chip plays up the boards to set up plays? They're so smart. They don't take bad risks. And it, as Dave Tippett will say, it's, 
It's all about playing the percentages. Those guys are usually on the right side of those percentages. Which you'd expect it from Martinuk, because even though he's a second-year player, he feels like a vet at this point on this team. Dave Tibbet loves the guy. But for Perlini to step in and be doing that already, I, look, I, was it, I think it was Tippett yesterday uh, on one of the radio stations here pointed out, look, this, this guy could become an elite sort of forward that we haven't had. And that's a little bit, they've got, like in the past, they've had the role players like Martinuk and Reeder that can do a bunch of different things, which you need. But now you may have a potentially elite goal scorer in Perlini. You just, you need the number one center. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if he's developing on your team, or if you have to trade for him. I, I still don't. I, I don't see that guy anywhere in their system right now. I, I, again, I think Clayton Keller's a left wing. I think they're coming more to more uh, in, to terms with that idea. I think if you talk to their scouting people, their development people, they'll tell you that's probably where he's a better fit. So I think he's going to end up on the left side. And Dylan Strom still, I again, I could be proven wrong. He's really young, but I just, I don't feel like he's a number one center in this league at least not not next year either way but more so than that it's not i mean when i talk about a number one center i'm talking about the guys that can really push you to elite level he may be the guy that has to be your number one center some teams deal with that but is he going to get you over the top or are you just going to be content being you know a playoff team well he's he's like what would what would this team look like with kyle turris right now would they be better yes they'd be better would they ever Get over that hump? No, they wouldn't. He's just really a, a really good number two center, which I think Devorah that you have to protect be. in yes. situations, yeah. right? You have to protect yes. him because he's he's not a great defensive player. I mean, he's he's improved in that area, but he's not a matchup center. What's the hope with Strom? Like, what's the mold? I think the mold is supposed to be he's not Joe Thornton, but that sort of sure. number one center that can make plays that isn't fast, but he can make plays, and he's got some decent size, and he's a really smart player. That's if he could be. Seventy percent of Joe Thornton. That would be well, this yeah, team would yeah. be in great. If he's fifty percent of Joe Thornton. Then he's your number one center, and you're in a great spot. Yeah, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. And it's unrealistic to expect it next year. I would think. Absolutely. I, you know, as I've said to you guys before, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in the AHL if they give him some time away from the pressure, the way they did with Perlini this mm-hmm. year, for for different reasons. But you know, get your feet wet in the pro game, out of the pressure, work on these things and then you get a call up at some point. I think it makes it easier for a young player like that to get that news, and then Dave Tippett can point to Brendan Perlini and say, look, this guy just did it a year ago, and look what it's done for his Absolutely. career. Yeah, and we're also not shipping you off to Maine. Right, you're, you're right here. You're right down the road. Our entire staff's going to be working with you. I mean, the benefits of Tucson are yeah. and, and you don't manifold. I mean, I've I, never heard that before. Uh, oh, you mean for a hockey well, You're okay. just an ASU fan. So I, I, that, that hurts you to The Coyotes have never sent me to the AHL, so I can't speak from experience. Oh. But I would imagine that the ability to be – you don't feel quite as far away from the team as you would, let's say, if you were completely across the country oh, because yeah. you're working with their coaches, because you're realistically a two-hour away for an emergency call-up. All the players will say that, I too. mean, it's it – you, know, you don't feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm riding the buses in double-A. No, it's an hour and a half away, basically. Christian Dvorak got sent down for an afternoon earlier this year and didn't <laughs> even play and came back up and was better somehow. <laughs> and got a ride from the, the Coyotes development coach. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Hopped in the car with Steve Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, over to the Metro. I think we need to talk about the Capitals, who are back in first. Pittsburgh blew a pretty good opportunity by getting shut out by Philadelphia last night. So I'm, I'm fairly confident, again, that Washington's going to win that division. But as Craig put in the show notes... Craig, by the way, bringing show notes and coffee this week, and I feel like I brought this. This week? Yeah, you know, I'm just living in the moment, Craig. And I don't know what Jamie brings to the show, but I feel like I bring some I don't know either. Technical expertise? Boyish charm? Uh, Uh, Let's go back to technical expertise. Let's just stay with the expertise. Capitals, though, 4-4 and since the Kevin Shattenkirk Mm -hmm. trade. Minnesota 4-5, and by the way. Yeah. Two teams that probably made the biggest moves, right? Yeah. Look, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need you to win some more games. I'm going to need you to come in on the weekend and score occasionally. Anything to that notion that the Capitals were just cruising, maybe just stay, stay with what you got. Why disrupt things? I think that's Anything the kind of narrative that gets, that gets spun if they don't do something. Okay. But you've improved your team. There's no question. Yeah. It takes time to absorb these things, right? So we're, we're looking at a tiny body of evidence right now and saying, oh, my God, they're not as good because they have Kevin Shattenkirk. They screwed up their mix. Give that time. Give that a little more time. Granted, they don't have a lot more time, but 
they have enough time, I think, to absorb it, figure it out, and, and move forward. This, this has been done before at the trade deadline. So It also should be pointed out, too, it's not like they gave up anything for Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, your argument is only, well, they messed with the chemistry by adding a great defense, really good defenseman, I guess we should say. So it's not like they traded Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat or anything. Like They went out and basically gave up nothing for Kevin Shattenkirk. But it is interesting that they're four and four and like i said if, if the caps caught. go down or if the wild go down you can bet a lot of people will be using that as an excuse even in minnesota you think people are looking i mean ryan white at least scored a couple goals when he first got there was minnesota losing games before martin hansel arrived it didn't feel like they were losing any games it's just the chicago ones they were <laughs> yes, winning all the other games. that yeah maybe they've just hit a wall i don't you want to talk about New Jersey losing 10 in a row? That just popped They're up so bad. <sighs> that team, I can't believe it. I was looking at their lines when they got here the other night, and it's you've got that really nice first line with Adam Henrique and Taylor Hall. And then you've got like six depth guys that most people don't know are in the NHL. And, and then the blue line? Entire blue, remember we Ooh. talked about that in the, in the summer? Yeah, how they had maybe the worst blue line in yeah. the NHL, and then they traded Adam Larson. Granted, anybody in their right mind would make that trade. Yeah, you have stop to. pretending it was a good trade, Edmonton. Stop. Yeah, Fan base writers, stop pretending it was a good trade. No, it was not. It never will be. You have a healthy Connor McDavid. That's why you're winning. It's not because yeah. you got rid of Taylor Hall. Yeah, that Adam Larson. Yeah. Oof, look at how good he's been. He's been fine. He's fine. That's we knew he'd be fine. He's fine. He's. He's a decent defenseman. He's a pretty good defenseman, but you gave up a superstar. He's, he's, he's modern-day Eric Johnson. Guy that was taken so high that everybody continues to have expectations that he's a top-pair defenseman when he is a fine but unspectacular second-pairing guy. That's, that's what he is. That is what he is. Is Colorado the new Edmonton if they pick number one again next year and they've got Eric Johnson, Nathan McKinnon, and Nolan Patrick? So that's three number one picks on your team and you're not winning? Is that it's not quite the same because they didn't pick number one every we year. Might get to that point because as as we noted earlier, their their system, their prospect system is it's empty. The cupboard is empty, virtually empty. They have one center that's considered an elite prospect. That's it. So we just saw Colorado and New Jersey come through town. Oof. Which one of those do you feel better about their future? Three years from now. New Jersey has some decent prospects. Okay. Yeah. So I'll probably feel a little better about them, but boy, time to do something about that blue line because yeah. it's uh, you, it's not any better than when we talked about this. In their center position, do you? I mean, I know. I, I think a couple of those players are pretty good players, but they're guys that need to be slotted down in the lineup. Ben Lovejoy's on their first defensive pairing. No, that. I mean, the blue line is he's, just. He's, you, yeah, you take him back in Pittsburgh in a heartbeat. I, I would. Reasons. And he was very helpful for the Penguins, but he was never. Yeah, no, be he's a, not a first. No, first it, pairing, and, and he's like light years ahead of everybody else on that team. You talked to Taylor Hall, Craig. <laughs> that was a funny conversation. That that was. You know, and I, I think it was, who, I think I read a story in the hockey news. I think it was Ryan Kennedy that wrote it. I may be misremembering that, but talking about how frank, how honest he has been, how mature he's been about discussing that whole situation. And that's how I found him as well. We, we got on the topic of Edmonton that, I mean, it wasn't initially where I was going with the story. To be honest, I didn't know where I was going with the story. I just wanted to chat with him. It's usually how Craig starts his but, stories. Well, I mean, it's, I left it open-ended. Maybe that something will present itself. And he admitted that. When he first got traded, he was absolutely obsessed with watching the Oilers. He'd watch every game. He knew everything that was happening. There's a real part of his identity that's still wrapped up in that city, and it stung him. It really hurt him. <laughs> and then he said, you know, I, I'm not quite as bad. I don't obsess as much now, but I can probably still tell you what they've done over a five-game span. So he, that's why I wrote that headline that is, you know, his withdrawals are lessening. Oh, that's good. <laughs> because he's still clearly cares about that team, that organization, that city, and it still stings him. And I, I'm sure it stings more because you went to the New Jersey Devils where you look around at that forward group and it's like, does anybody know how to score out here other than me? <laughs> I loved his quote before that, that Coyotes-Devils game last week, and I don't, I don't think he intended this to necessarily come off the way it sounded, but and I'm paraphrasing a little bit but not much. It was basically offensive success doesn't, come easily to our forward group or something. Or no. we're, not, we're not comfortable with that yet or something. And it's true. He's the only guy that scores. Yeah. It does. It kind of sucks. It points to the other, the other side of, of, you know, we get all into trades and stuff because it gives us something to talk about and it shifts things around in the league. But you're Taylor Hall. You're not the reason that Edmonton's been losing for the last five or six years. I feel like the fans there get that. I don't feel like they blame him for that. I think it's more of a narrative from the team or the media to make it sound like this is why they're better this I year. I think some of the fan base is... is sort of relishing that 
he's that that the New Jersey Devils are struggling though. I think some of them are. Really? I've, I've seen that narrative out there. It's not his fault that the Oilers no, of course bad. it, of course it's not. That was an organizational issue. They they just did it wrong. They had a bunch of young guys who had nobody to mentor them on how to play the game. We talked about this a hundred yeah. times. But you, you can't just throw a bunch of young guys out there and say, okay, go play NHL hockey. Yeah, bl- okay, how the do line. you do that? I feel like they've sort of paved the road, though. All the teams now that are rebuilding are very careful not to do that. They always the cite them. They you don't want to be the Oilers. How many times have you heard that quote just directly today, from an executive or a coach? Even you don't want to be the Oilers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like uh, it's part of the NHL glossary at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we talked about a lot with the Coyotes, but you can't have the blind leading the blind. You just can't mm-hmm. throw a bunch of 19- and 20-year-olds into your lineup and say, hey, figure this out. Yep. It, it's because of Edmonton. It, they paved the way with their mistakes. Ineptitude? Basically, yeah. yeah. And as a payback, they got Connor McDavid for it. Yeah. So, we want to talk about uh, Calgary needing a new arena. That's half the league that needs a new arena now, isn't it? Calgary, the Islanders, the Coyotes, who else? So I feel like else? the NFL. <laughs> We're getting there. Uh, Calgary does need a new arena, though. Yeah. yeah. Saddle Dome is it's cool to drive up to, partly because of it. You know, it's just out there in the middle of you. Just drive up to this really cool barn with crazy roof line. And you're driving through snow. But you go, time. yeah, you go, you go in there, and you're like, August. yeah, this is old. And oh yeah, by the way, they had a serious flood in here, and I'm sure. It's, I'm sure there's no long-term damage yeah, from that. They, they solved all that, right? And, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, it's all good. Got a vacuum cleaner and sucked all the water out, so you should be fine. That, that's, that's an old barn. They do need to replace that, but it's not an easy prospect, obviously. No, especially not anymore, where they think the, the hyper-awareness of how these things get paid for now. But um, then you look, but. How, much is, how much is the palace that just got built nearby going to impact that city and yep. that, that mood? Because... Edmonton got one, and they are clearly our chief rivals in everything, not just hockey. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. i got to believe there are a lot of people that are jealous of Edmonton's situation right now and and want something similar. How great would that first-round series be Calgary versus Edmonton? So good. Is that the best one that could potentially come out of the Pacific? Out of the Pacific? Pacific, Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, San Jose and L.A. we've seen before. L.A.'s not making it anyway, so... I don't really get excited about Anaheim playing anyone in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just sorry. I just don't get excited about them. So yeah, in, in the Pacific, I think that's the best matchup. L.A. and this probably isn't completely fair, but they strike me as a better or Anaheim rather strikes me as a better L.A. Basically, like the, and they've got some speed guys. That I feel like they've adjusted a little bit more to the new style of hockey than the Kings, and they've got prospects. And but they're kind of that we've seen them so many times, and they. They've got some more of the big physical forwards, and yeah, I just feel like we've seen them. I, I guess I just feel like we've seen Anaheim enough to know that they're probably not winning the cup. That's an, that's exactly what I would say. Anaheim is still a good team. They're they're that team that's still good that doesn't realize that their window already closed. Yeah, well, it's because they have a team full of just hey, you're not bad guys. Yeah, their entire second uh, minus Kessler, their entire second, third, right. and entire defensive core are all yeah, you guys are pretty okay. You made the playoffs probably every year. We should get somebody from who covers the Ducks on and see if they feel the same way. About this. <laughs> if they're like, no, this is their year, and <laughs> they just think we're crazy. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. Like Anaheim, San Jose, at some point would be entertaining. I guess, kind of. Mm. Nah, it, it's Calgary, Edmonton. That's that's the matchup everybody wants to see. Yeah, that's the one. Enough star power there. We should point out attempts Calgary. at defense. Just rattled off ten straight wins. They finally lost a game. Yeah. Ten straight. Their general manager still does not have a contract for. Some unknown reason, but yeah, Calgary looks like they are, well, they're, they're definitely in the playoffs now. It's a matter of whether they can climb as high as number two in that division and have home ice, maybe win a round. I think that's it. Do we have anything else? Is that the only, by the way, is that lost? Was that the only game they played without Michael Stone? No, they've played a couple without They have him. a couple now? No. Dougie Hamilton got hurt and then was still playing, and he's been pretty good lately. Speaking of playoff matchups, is, I think we brought this up before, but... God, I feel sorry for the Metro Division. Well, look, there was a, a Washington was one point away from dropping to third place in the division a couple of yeah. days ago. First, Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? You do you want to play first. Columbus? You do want to be first. You want to play Tampa Bay yeah. in the first round. Well, it depends what team you're talking about. If you're talking about Washington, I probably it's weird. If you're talking about Washington, I'd almost probably rather play Columbus because Tampa's got the upside to just knock you out. 
But if I'm Pittsburgh, I, I don't necessarily want to play Columbus because they're just built to go after Pittsburgh. So I don't know. I mean, the Rangers aren't even out of the race yet. They're only – well, now they're seven. I think, I think they're – yeah, I think they're going to sit there. But they could catch Columbus or Pittsburgh if they slip up at all. They probably won't, but they could. We're going to get to the point where we're going to have three teams from the Metro left after the first round. Yeah, the, I, just, the Rangers are going to get gifted Ottawa in the first round. It's going to be the that's actually where you want to be. You want to finish in the wild card in the Metro so you can play Ottawa in the first round. That's the, that's the best opponent. If, if Ottawa wins that division, yeah, you're, you are psyched as the wild card. <laughs> Ottawa's one point back with two games in hand it, on Montreal. Are we, are, we, are we selling them short? I, I don't think no. we are, but they just feel like the high seed that bows out in the first round to me. I've tried to bring up Ottawa multiple times on the show, and you guys have met me with either complete silence or genuine anger. So I'm done trying to talk about Ottawa with you people. When, they, when they're hoisting the cup. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. It's, yeah. It's not not, not going to happen. Boston, I think, is the most dangerous team from the Atlantic at this point, unless Tampa Bay. Although really there's that Montreal-Boston history. It'd be a good series, too. There's, there's, yeah. we're, gonna, we're looking at some potentially really strong yeah. hate series in the playoffs. Let it begin already. Let it begin. Three yes. weeks. All right, we're getting there. For Craig Morgan, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.